This is Coach Ron uh, coming back to you for my second uh, part of the series uh, called Ron's Change Connections Trilogy. And uh, I want you to kind of know where we came from. We talked about my new gig last time. And now I want to uh, share with you concerning my family story. Um, my father died many years ago in 1986, uh, Edward, uh, and my mother died just a little over a month ago. And we did her funeral, and I told her story during a funeral. And I don't think I can ever remember getting uh, so tremendous a response because people connected uh, with many parts of not only her story, but our story. So uh, I want to uh, share it now because it's a lot of what made me uh, who I am today. So uh, Coach Ron's Change Connections uh, is made up of many moving pieces. And today I want to share uh, my family story uh, with you. I want to title this Ed, D, and Me. My family story. Ed, D and me, my family story. Now, just to let you know, I have an older sister and I have a younger brother. So it's actually three of us. But um, this is uh, my opportunity to tell uh, my story. I'll mention my brothers and sisters uh, in the story. So anyway, my mother is D short for Dolores. And uh, she was a preacher's kid, a PK. And, um, you know, growing up in a religious home can really be something else. And uh, in her home, I think uh, some of her brothers and sisters, which she had six, I think some of them uh, wanted to please their father because he was the pastor and he was beloved and uh, they didn't want to do anything to uh, cause him to be uh, upset with them. So a lot of things were done uh, to please daddy, as they used to say, we want to we wanna do this for daddy. Uh, so um, that was probably pretty good. Uh, but, you know, being a PK is just a different kind of existence. And so finally, uh, my mother was a teenager and uh, she continued to to grow. One thing about being a preacher's kid is either you will love it or you will hate it. So in my mother's case, she got the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> when she could make that decision on her own, she got out of her household. And um, along the way, she met my father, Ed. And uh that had to be quite a meeting because you had someone running from religious home and running out to the streets. And um, my father had a very religious mom, uh, but he nor his six brothers were religious at all. My father um, was a big talker. He was loud. You know what? I think I'm kind of that way, too. He was a heavy drinker. He 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 drank uh, a lot, and all of his brothers drank. Uh, he loved to hang out with his boys, and you know they would sit 
uh, at different places and talk about what was going on. And they would drink and a lot of them smoked, but he didn't smoke. And um, they love women. And so uh, that's quite a powerful combination. And something uh, in him sparked my mother, uh, Dee. And Dee and Ed got together uh, and uh, formed a marriage and had three children. And I am the middle child. And so uh, things, you know, went went pretty well. Um, we had tremendous family gatherings, and these were things that we did every year. We would get together um, on 4th of July. You know, we would get together at Christmas, and this was the whole family, because most of our families live, all lived in the same area, in the um, D.C. metro uh, area. So we'd all get together for those holidays. We just love that because we got to see all our cousins and uh, we got to eat some good food. And And these were some tremendous times. I remember my parents used to um, take us on vacations. Now, understand this. A vacation wasn't like, you know, going to New York or going to Florida or whatever, a vacation was going from where we lived to Rockville, Maryland, which was about 20 miles. And that was a vacation. So, you know, again, but the issue is we were all together and we had tremendous fun when we went places. And the thing is, they did visit their relatives a lot. They had parties. Uh, they they went to parties and we had parties at our house. And believe me, when they had parties, the alcohol was flowing. And, you know, being a little kid and all, I used to sneak down to see what I could see. What can I say? So anyway, um, we had a pretty exciting um, family background. My father used to play cards and I can remember he used to put the card, chunk. And, you know, it was just, um, you know, it was a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, the issue is he liked to run the streets and, you know, running the streets um, doesn't work out uh, for most wives. And it certainly didn't work out uh, for my mom, uh, Dee. Dee was not happy with the fact that he was uh, staying out in the streets. And so when he would come home, uh, sometimes drunk. Uh, she would be so upset and they would argue uh, back and forth. And, uh, you know, sometimes it got, you know, pretty crazy because, you know, my father used to argue my mother down, but then my mother, you know, started standing up and saying, I'm not taking this. And so, you know, there were times when uh, my grandfather, the pastor, had to come over and break up fights. I remember those times. And then to other times where the police had to come to the house to break up fights. So uh, it got uh, pretty crazy. But, you know, with that continuing to be the theme and my mother getting more and more uh, upset, uh, they finally decided to separate. And can I add, add this to the story? We weren't upset when they decided to separate because we felt like they would kill each other if they had remained together. 
That's the way we felt as a kid. If it's, if it's just the point of having some peace in the house and all. So my father left and here it is, my mom, uh, who was um, in her uh, 40s and she separated. They did later divorce and um, my mom was an angry woman. She was she was angry because she was left with three kids. They're teenagers now. And she had to raise these three kids by herself. She was angry because my father wasn't very responsible with money. You know, that's an understatement. And so whenever it would come to him being responsible, he would ghost her. He wouldn't show up. And that made her more upset. And so here she is now in her 40s. She's single. She's divorced. She's got to raise these three kids. And, you know, so one of the things she did was she became a choir drinker. You know, she drank at home. She didn't go out and party or anything, but she had her bottles in the corner at home. I know vodka was one of her favorite drinks because I would sometimes go and take a sip. What can I say? But she was frustrated, angry, pissed off that here it is. She thought running out of her religious home and running into the arms of Ed promised her a good life. And I have to say that for part of it, it was a good life. But the fights, the arguing and fussing just became too much. Can I tell a couple of stories? The, the, the first story is my red three-speed bicycle. That's the first story. It was Christmas time. My parents uh, used to hide our Christmas gifts. And they would hide them under the steps of the basement, under the basement steps. So they would put it in there behind stuff. Now, you know, we as kids, you know, we going to go and and look to all the places it could be. And that was one of my, so I, I saw that they had bought me a bicycle, a three-speed red bicycle. Now, you know, it's funny then because... You know, they they bought me a girl's bike because it didn't have the bar across like a guy's bike. But let me tell you, I did not care. I didn't even know it was a girl's bike. I just knew it was a three-speed bicycle, and I had uh, rode that no-speed bike, you know, back during when they had the tires when they didn't have air in them and all. They had those hard tires, and I had holes in my tires. And when Christmas came, I was so happy. Well, what had happened was my father took me to a football game. And um, when we were on the way back home, uh, my father saw this woman and he picked her up. I guess he knew her. And so what he did was he drove down the street from our house 
And he parked there and he walked me back up the street and told me to go in the house and don't tell my mother. Now, y'all know, y'all know, you know, that, you know, I don't know how old I was then. Uh, I don't know, let's say 10 years old. I don't know what it was, but you know, I was going to tell my mom. And so I told her, this was all happened during Christmas time. That Christmas, I got the red three-speed bicycle. And when I told my mother, we had World War III in my household. That was an argument and a fight that was beyond. I'll never forget that because all the happiness of the red three-speed bicycle was drowned out because of the big argument, the fight. You know what happened? Maybe a couple of days after Christmas, my neighbor and I were riding down the sidewalk. He had his no-speed bike, and I had my beautiful red three-speed bike. It was a girl's bike. Oh, man, I can't believe that. Please, nobody remind me of that. And he put on brakes in front of me, and I ran into him, his no-speed bike. And my bike, my bike was mangled. Nothing happened to his no-speed bike. His no-speed bike was fine. My bike got mangled. And you know, at that point, my life was mangled. Because the, the bike being wrecked couldn't even compare to having the two people you love, whole household in turmoil. To say the least, our family was in a situation because not only was my mom out there in her anger, divorced woman trying to make it, still in the prime of her life, angry, lonely, upset, But here it is, we had three kids, teenagers, and we were likewise so vulnerable at that moment. If I could say this right now to someone else who might be in some kind of situation similar to this, where when you look at it, it seems like it's hopeless. My father is out running the streets. We very rarely see him. The Big Ed has left town. Not left town, but as far as we were concerned, we didn't see him often. And Dee was mad as hell, upset, because her life was in the tank. Dee was not happy. The preacher's kid, the religious girl who fleed from her religious household found that in her 40s, which should be her prime of life, she's been abandoned by her husband and she's trying to deal with and raise three kids. Even when your situation is desperate, 
and there's no reason to have hope. There's a reason to have hope. The story gets crazier. My father had to go to court. My father and mother were the same age. So at this point, they're in their 50s. I didn't say this. I I, I forgot to tell a part of the story. So something happened. An, an oasis in the desert happened. An, an oasis in the desert happened. My brother, sister, and I became a part of a community-based choir called the Gospel Music Workshop of America. At that point, founded by uh, the Reverend Dr. James Cleveland. And the local leader was uh, Shirley May K. Berkeley. She was somebody in the country, but she was somebody in the city. And her influence made it so that she could bring together the best musicians and, and the best directors and singers. And she brought them all together for uh, this workshop choir. And uh, we were learning music from the best of the best. And they all brought their talents and nobody was the big hit. And the choir went all over uh, the D.C. metro area and even places outside of the area, and we sang. That choir that we were a part of as teenagers was an oasis in the desert of the craziness that was going on in our household. That choir was an oasis in the desert. And, and so through that choir, we, we had experiences, we, we, we met people, we learned a lot of things. And, and finally, one of the things they did in the choir is they had a Bible study. And you know, um, even though you can be in church and we would go to church sometimes, but we, you know, we really weren't really into it and it didn't really mean a whole lot to us. And salvation, we'd never heard of as far as we were concerned. But um, in the Bible study, we got closer to the real reason that we all exist and, and the fact that God really loves us. And what the Bible said, you know, when it says for God, so we, uh, we, we all of a sudden understood that through that Bible study. And so as kids receive Christ in our lives, we became believers in Christ. And it wasn't just me, my brother and sister. It was a whole big group of young people who were part of this Bible study. And, and when, when we look back at it, many of those young teenagers that had been a part of that Bible study in the workshop, many of them became leaders in churches all over this country and all over the city. So a lot was done through the changing of a group of young people's lives. So at that point in time, we began to pray for our parents. No matter what had gone on, we loved them. We really wanted them together, but we didn't want them together to the extent that they would harm one another. So we prayed for our parents. We prayed for 10 years. We prayed for 10 years for our parents. My father received 
his third DUI, driving under the influence. He received his third one when they were really emphasizing, you know, trying to take drunk drivers off the street. And so I, he asked me to go to court with him. He actually thought that that was it for him. He was going to have to go to jail. In fact, he took a bag of clothes with him. I'll never forget it. So here I am sitting in court with my father. And so when this case came up, the judge said to him, you know, it would be a shame for you, a 53-year-old man, to go to jail. It would be a shame. What he did was he bet the bailiff 50 cents. He said, I bet you if I let him off, he will be back in this court within six months. This actually happened. The situation was so dramatic, traumatic, dramatic. Uh, it had such an impact on my father, the big head, the big mouth, love the streets, love the drink, love women. It had such a profound effect on him that that day, as a result of what happened to him and what could have happened to him, he did two things. Number one, he turned his life over to God. You know, I know how people say, yeah, I turned my life over to the Lord. But he really did. <laughs> he really did. And he was serious about it. He joined the church. As I said, neither he nor his brothers were in the church at all back then. That changed later on, but but he gave his heart to the Lord. Second thing he did was he committed himself to AA. He went to meetings every day. He was committed. Of course, you work through the 12 steps. And one of the 12 steps is to make amends. He did that. He called aside each of us, the children, me, my sister, and brother. And he said he was sorry for not being the father that he should have been. It was, uh, that was a moment. He went to my mother. He apologized to her for all that had happened. All the crazy negative things that went on. He apologized to my mother. My father didn't have long to live at age 56. If you're talking about three years later, he died of throat cancer. That's why I mentioned to you that like some, a lot of his friends smoked. He did not smoke. He was a heavy drinker, but you know, they talk about secondhand smoke and being in the car. Can you imagine being in a car with the windows closed and people are, and you're not, when I think about that now, because, you know, people, um, you know, smoking is not the thing that people do in general anymore. And to imagine the fact that, you know, people smoke anywhere, everywhere, all the time. And just fact of being in a car, with the windows closed, open or closed, that make no difference, with all of that smoke. And he died of throat cancer. So, but I'll tell you this, he died with a bang. My mom, from the moment he made amends with her, she began to watch him closely. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sure she had, had times where she heard him say he was going to do something. And he didn't follow through. So she wasn't just going to take his words. My mom 
sometime later on had uh, knee replacement surgery on both her knees at the same time. And while she was in recovery, she was visited by one of my cousins. And um, I found out about this experience because we found some writings from my mom and she wrote a lot. She wrote a whole lot and she wrote a lot of people and we found a lot of her papers as we were cleaning up her apartment and um, she was visited by my cousin and I don't know what happened. I know that that visit, that visitation was a life-changing moment for my mother and it was a life-changing moment for my cousin. My mother said about that moment, she knew she was a new creature. So her mad dash out of her religious home, and her father was a a great preacher, pastor, renowned, well-known, took a church that was about to die and brought the church alive. It grew up. He was a great man. But my mother came alive in Christ. She said, I knew I was a new creature. Well, don't just take her words for it. She said, and and we again, we we found this in her writings. She said she knew the kind of man Ed was. And she said, if God could save Ed, she watched him after he came to her and made amends. And she said there was a transformation in Ed. And it was seeing that. She said, if God could do it for Ed, he can do it. Can you imagine? Hold up. My mother was in a religious house, though. She was already close to the fire. She ran away from the fire to someone who had no fire. And the thing that brought her around. Now, you remember all three of us as children, we all were in the Lord. All three of us living a life everything, in ministry, all of that kind of stuff. But the thing that sparked her and changed her was seeing my father, who ran the streets, acted crazy at times, but it was his transformation that caused her to be influenced enough to give her heart to the Lord. Now, when I say she made a dramatic change, the rest of her life. She was in her 50s then. She lived to be 91. We funeralized her in the month of March of 2023. She touched so many lives. Her family, as in her brothers and sisters, her children, each one of us, her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren, her friends, people who were part of our church, just she used what she had for all of those years when she ran from, when she ran to her life was a magnet for helping others change. Because you know what? She told her story over and over again. And she really helped people because she wasn't trying to hide what she was. And so as I close this holy moment 
where I share with you some of the things I shared today I've never shared before. I didn't share some of these things at my mother's funeral that I shared with you today. But it's this way that God saved my family. What a roundabout way. Parents break up, divorce, in their own corners, kids somewhere, could have been anywhere, but ended up in a good place. Our lives were changed. In the DC chapter of the Gospel Music Workshop, we prayed for our parents a long time and God came through. He saved, just think about it. He saved the most unlikely parent. Just think, he, he saves the, the furthest away parent, my father, Ed, and uses his, let me say this to you. When a woman is upset at a man, she can be upset for a lifetime. The years can go by, but it doesn't change the fact that she's angry and mad. But God used my father's transformed life to transform my mom. What a story. And it's not just a story. It's my story. Thank you for listening. I hope in some form, in some way, it may help you in any current struggle you may be in. Coach Ron's Change Connections. Signing off. And thank you for listening.